Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Today we are going to be talking about episode 37, Dewinterizing the Hive. Unfortunately, I don't have anything cool or catchy or anything to say about that. It's just <laughs> Dewinterizing the Hive. So this episode is brought to you by Summit Red Thunder Sugar-Free Energy Drink. This is the Aldi version of Red Bull and I have no sponsors, and it's cheap. So anyway, okay, everybody. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about dewinterizing the hives in three easy steps. Step one, open the hive. Step two, verify the bees are alive. And step three, close the hive. Piece of cake. Okay, everybody. Hey, well, thank you so much for listening this week. I do appreciate your time. If you have any questions about this or anything else, just you know, reach out to me. Yeah, it's probably not quite that easy. I guess it probably makes, makes sense to... Uh, Start with the three different things that you're actually likely to see, and then we'll kind of go from there. How about that? Okay, so first off, scenario one, you've been seeing the bees flying into and out of the hive on warm days, though in this winter, you know, late winter kind of time time frame. Uh, you know, if nothing else, you're seeing a lot of activity, right? And uh, that's usually a great sign. You see the bees moving, they're flying in and out. You're starting to see some of those early trees and different things that are in bloom and the pollen sacks are loaded down. You aren't 100% out of the woods like we've discussed a little bit in the past, but the odds are in your favor here at this point. So as I mentioned several times before, right, you can still get those late season freezes. And I think we might have been going into that right now. I've, I've seen some things on the weather here lately talking about some really, really cold air that's coming in on the east. And uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I've looked on my forecast over the next week. I've got a couple of freezing nights down at the apiary, so that's going to be kind of interesting. Again, it's kind of a vulnerable time, right? You have your a shrinking overall cluster size, and uh, 
a lot of new brood is been uh, is being raised, and there's a lot of young bees in, or young larvae in there that are trying to develop that aren't quite capped yet. So it's definitely a uh, a higher risk time of year. So we look at scenario two, right? You see a few bees kind of here and there, not a whole lot, but you know, there's a few of them kind of coming in and out. In this case, um, with just that little bit of information, you know, it could be a number of things going on. I mean, it could be a disease-related issue. It could be malnourishment or starvation, or there just might not be enough bees, you know, left over from the winter to make enough of a cluster, and only a few of them actually survived kind of to the very end. And then we have scenario three, the dead out. This is where you walk up to the entrance and you see no activity at all, right? It's a nice, warm, you know, warm late winter, spring day. Temperatures are 55, 60 or higher. If you have other hives, the other hives have activity, bees coming in and out, and you've got nothing. Oh, and don't become hopeful when you see a honeybee from a nearby hive that kind of just drops by to check things out, right? That's not one who lives there. You know, he's likely just to, or excuse me, she is likely just exploring things, kind of checking things out, maybe looking for a free meal. But uh, on that note, if you, if you know and for a fact that you have a dead out, right, you definitely do not have a viable colony anymore. I recommend going ahead and closing up the entrance. Uh, you know, if you don't want to deal with it till the spring or whatever, that's fine. But at least close up the entrance because if they did die from disease, you don't want to have good, healthy bees that are just going around looking for a, a snack, ending up, you know, going in there, picking up whatever that disease might be, and then taking it back to their healthy hives, right? We kind of want to avoid that if we can. So isolate that disease or illness or whatever it might be into that hive. Now, if you haven't opened the colony, you may not know for sure. But like I said, when all the other bees are moving around, if you have multiple hives, and you're seeing a lot of activity, and then you go to this one and there's nothing, you know, chances are pretty good. So each of these situations is going to present, you know, slightly different actions that are going to be required on your part. But, you know, there are some things that you have to do no matter what. So let's do kind of a top-down approach, and we'll talk about this kind of from a traditional 10-frame Langstroth hive perspective. Now, if you have something different in your apiary, you know, there, there shouldn't be too much variance on the things that you need to do, right? And now, if there is, if you have a really unique setup, you know, bring it up in the Discord, you know, send me an email, jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com and say, Jeff, I've got this crazy system that this guy in Indonesia came up with and it's completely different. Send me a message and we'll talk about it. But if you've wrapped your hive with something, you know, roofing paper, insulation, whatever, whatever you want to do, you know, peel all that stuff off, get your outer cover off. I like to flip the outer cover onto the ground so that now the inside is facing up. And I do that for all my inspections. Like if I'm removing a hive body or whatever I'm doing, I just kind of set the outer cover on the ground uh, top down. If I put a deep or a medium on it, I'll turn it 90 degrees, set it down, turn the next one 90 degrees and set them down. That way I've got, you know, good good stable surface to put things on. There's openings in between. I'm not squishing as many bees. So now you go to the inner cover. Now I use two different types of inner covers. So I'll go ahead and kind of talk about them both. If you use a cloth inner cover, the cloth can sometimes gather a lot of moisture and it might even get a little bit of like some mold or mildew kind of growth on the, on the inner side of it. So if you see that and it's really funky, go ahead and replace that. You know, when you reassemble everything, I would recommend having an extra one ready, whether it's a solid wooden one or whether it's cloth, 
have an extra one ready when you go into this inspection. If it's a wooden inner cover, you're going to want to look for it to be, you know, as dry as possible. But some moisture, moisture is definitely to be expected. Now, if that inner cover is completely dark, like it's been saturated, it's really heavy, it's loaded with condensation. I mean, that condensation will soak into the wood and that inner cover will be five or six times its normal weight. It'll be really heavy. Sometimes they'll, the same thing, they'll get that mildew, that mold on them. That just is a clear indicator that you did not have enough ventilation in that hive. That ventilation is something I can talk about till I'm blue in the face. It's such a critically important aspect to saving bees. I, once I figured out ventilation, I, you know, I had like a 400% increase in survival rates or what I'm making the number up. I have no idea, but I don't lose hives at all really anymore. Every now and then you get one that gets sick or something else happens, but I'm, I'm worrying the 90 percentiles for survival rates over the winter and they're not dying. If they die, they're not dying from, from condensation. But this is one of the reasons that I really like those cloth inner covers quite a bit. And I think I put a link in the discord, but I think it's a duck canvas. There's a company that, that makes these big rolls of this canvas. You just cut it to size and lay it on top. And then the bees will propolize it down so that once it's been there for you know a couple of days, you just peel it off, do your inspections, lay it back on. You need to replace it. You throw it away. Now, what you could probably do is you could probably repurpose it for like a fire starter or something like that. I don't know. I haven't thought about whether or not that that propolis would serve as a good like fire type thing. I don't know. There's got to be something you could repurpose it with. But if you don't want to repurpose it, throw it away. They end up costing you probably two bucks a piece versus like a $10 wooden inner cover. I don't even know how much those are anymore. But, you know, the next thing really is just go ahead and remove all the stuff that people told you that you need to feed them over the winter. And get rid of that. Like whatever you got up in the top, whatever fondant, sugar, pollen patties, whatever kind of stuff that you have in there, get that stuff out just so that you can get down into the next layer. So I guess so that's a good time. I guess you can you can look and see if they actually consumed what you left for them. But you, you have to get it out of the way no matter what to get down to them to start seeing what's next. Okay, so from here, you're going to do a standard inspection, right? This is a great opportunity to record yourself giving verbal notes or to have an assistant taking notes for you. You know, I've talked about this before, but note-taking is really, really important. Some people's minds are young and fresh and, and have capacity to continue to bring new information in and store it and use it. Mine is not one of them. If it doesn't get written down, it didn't happen. You know, when Phoebe was around more, I could say, hey, you got that? And she was usually pretty good about, about remembering things much better than I was. But... If you don't write it down, it probably didn't happen. But even more importantly, over time, no matter how great your memory is, things are going to fade. And being able to go back to those notes year after year and, and recognizing trends and things that you see, it's really, really important. So if you're doing things solo, I love the idea. Just turn your phone on, put it in your pocket, and record yourself talking through what you're seeing. You know, the things that I always like to target, I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but the things that I always kind of like to target in my notes I did a lot of abbreviations, like one of them was EOQ, Eyes on Queen. And I could just put a checkbox. If I had a piece of paper and I could say EOQ check, um, I would try to keep track of number of brood frames and how much honey was stored. And, you know, you can create a ranking system from one to five on population or one to 10, you know, pick whatever, pick a system that works for you so that every time you look at those notes and if you see your population was a seven, on a scale of 1 to 10, you're like, okay, I probably have 70% of the hive was full of bees, as an example. 
70% of the frames were full of bees or whatever your unit of measure is that works for you. But those notes are really, really critical to being able to look back and say, okay, I looked at all my notes and all of them that had a population of a four, as an example, in April didn't make it over the winter, but everything that had a population of a six or a seven or higher, they did. Whatever, try to correlate that data. But specifically as it relates to what we're talking about today, the one thing that I would say you want to keep an eye on is how many frames of honey are left. So you have, you know, a, hopefully a cluster of bees that's left behind. They hopefully they still have some resources that they're able to work with in the spring as they're bringing in the new, the new nectar and the flow is starting to kick in. If you have any brood frames present, you know, make a note of, of how many and how much, right? Because that you, know, you want to see if there's a good brood pattern, what's the overall health looking like. You're just trying to get a handle on things like how much, you know, how much leftover resources. And it's also good too, if you kept track of what they went into the winter with, you'll be able to accurately measure how much they used and that will help you in future years as well. But did they appear to use all the space and the resources that were there or did they leave things behind? Like, did they leave full frames of honey all the way to the left and all the way to the right? Uh, Are there dead bees in places as you're inspecting? Uh, any foul odors, right? Do you open up and sometimes you look at a frame like that doesn't look right. Put that frame up to your nose and you're like, whoa, whatever that is, that's not good, right? So as you work your way to the bottom, you know, this is also a place where you're going to want to start to pay particular attention. You know, during the winter, you know, they tend to drop things and, and leave that maintenance for later. So as it warms up, you know, they should go down there and, and, and do some cleanup. If you get to the bottom board and there are remnants of bees and other things, like that's not unusual, right? Things that just drop and kind of fall through. What is unusual is if you have a big layer of crap. I mean like a thick layer of junk that has to be scraped with a hive tool. You're going to have to scrape whatever's there with the hive tool anyway, most likely. But if that edge of your bottom board is like a three-quarter inch lip that goes around it and it's just packed full of crap, you're going to want to keep an eye on that. That's that's not good. But either way, whatever's there, scrape all that mess off, get it cleaned up, and then you know replace that solid bottom board, screened bottom board, whatever it is that you're you know that you're using. Go ahead and replace it. But if there was a whole lot of stuff, this is where your your brain has to start working, right? We always talk about the five traits of a good queen. So they've they've made it through the winter but their hygiene maybe isn't the best, right? So it's it's a tough one. Are they alive? Did they manage to make it? Is everything healthy? Are they not the cleanest on the bottom board? Okay, how are they cleaning things up inside the frames? So as an example, if you had any brood that died inside the cell, are they yanking those dead brood out and getting them out of the way? Because those dead brood sitting there is going to introduce a possibility of some some disease. So keep an eye on those little things and just, just see, you know, see what you want to do. You may want to consider if you don't like those hygienic traits and you have another queen in your apiary that has those good hygiene traits, you may want to requeen. But like I said, you're going to have to make that assessment with your notes, with video, with pictures, with phones being everywhere now, right? Like you literally have your own GPS tracking device everywhere you go and you have your camera on it. Take pictures, take pictures, make notes, however you want to annotate those notes, but do something so that you can look back and say, you know, create a, a directory on your phone that's, you know, beekeeping 2023 and dump all your pictures in there and call one inside that spring inspections or whatever you want to do and keep track and go back and look at those things, compare year over year. Like maybe you don't requeen that colony and you see what she does next year, right? 
I mean, it might not seem like, you know, a big deal, but, you know, sometimes those things, you know, especially when it gets really warm and you have a lot of those, that bottom board area can get really kind of funky and it gets hot. And the next thing you know, you got a little bit of water coming in from some rain or whatever. And I don't know, it can get a little gross, but keep an eye on it. Like I said, in the defense of the bees, you know, it's possible that, you know, that with the reduction in resources over the winter and as the population was diminishing, they've decided to focus on taking care of the queen and keeping themselves fed. And maybe they're going to come back and clean things up later. Now, you know, during the season, if you look down at that bottom board, you know, and it looks that way, you may want to reevaluate. But I mean, again, don't expect it to be spotless, but you should definitely be able to see the bottom and fairly easily. Um, you know, I think I've told this story before about the one that was angled the wrong way and some rain got in and settled into the back. I just, you, you know, take the back of the colony and just tilt it up like a quarter, you know, half an inch. I, mean, I literally have just stuck a two by four underneath the back two legs and had the whole thing leaning forward. And for whatever reason, I don't know if the ground settled in that area or what I did wrong, but it was literally, it was going back way too much. Rain hit the front door, rolled to the back, and it was just all wet on the bottom. And then all the stuff that they dropped in it, and then it became this soupy mess, and it had maggots, and it was really gross, and they absconded. And it's not good stuff at all. Okay, so let's see here. I think I've kind of covered like that top-down inspection, right? What you're, you're you're just looking overall at the health of things. You want to make sure that you know if there's anything that appears out of place. Think about all the inspections that you've done in the uh, you know in the previous season and you're applying the same concepts you're looking to make you know, you want to see your queen you want to see that there's evidence that the queen is now laying again because the weather is nicer you're probably going to see a lot of drone brood that's pretty common at this time of year so it's not you know don't be afraid if you see a lot of drone brood coming in or starting to come in uh, you know look around for again the mildew the mold anything that looks gross and funky as a result of excess moisture are definitely things you want to keep an eye on. And, you know, I think that that, that kind of covers it. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to kind of rack my brain here to think if there's anything else that I would want to cover. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick break here. And while I'm on the break, I'll go ahead and look in the Discord room and see if we can answer a few questions right now because this is a pretty straightforward topic. I think we've kind of covered everything that I can think of off the top of my head. But let me check the Discord real quick, and we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. Okay, so I am in the Discord right now taking a quick look here, and I am pretty sure that I've got everything covered back to where we talked about bee massage. There, is a, there was a discussion going on. I think one of our members is a, a, an expert in bee therapy, and there was a discussion around bee massage beds and things. I, I don't know much about it. But anyway, let me see if I've got here. So we have a list, a request for a list of things to do in the first inspection. And I think that's kind of what we talked about today, right? Kind of going through, checking for anything that, that looks out of place getting rid of anything that might be tied to moisture at this time of year, you may be thinking it's, it's definitely early right now during the first inspection. But if you're one of those people who swaps out to, you know, a screened bottom board, I would say to hold off a little while on that. I generally don't do that really until like the May, May, June kind of time frame because you still do have some really cold nights and I don't want to see, you know, anybody lose bees just because of the cold. I, it, it can uh, it can sneak up on you and, and, you know, it can happen. You can have frames of bees that will freeze to death or get too cold that they'll die off and you may not even notice it. The bees will go through, they'll clean out all the dead. The queen will go through, lay them up again, and you'll just business as usual to you unless you're staying on top of things and actively doing a lot of inspections. So let's see here on the list we've got... So that's a good point that somebody had brought up, like about, you know, doing your end of winter, spring, you know, first inspection. This is definitely not something that you're going to set by the calendar, right? You're not going to look at your calendar and say, well, Jeff said do it on the 1st of April, right? I think last year was a great example for me. I had ordered those queens that I wanted to play around with, bring some genetic diversity into the apiary. And I ordered them based on a date. I was like, oh, you know, April 1st will be fine. And I installed them into those nuke splits that I did. And we had a few days in a row of some freezing temperatures and they died because it was, it, again, I completely screwed that up. 100% my fault. But that's what happens when you operate off the calendar. What I should have been doing is looking at the 
um, historical data, looking through my notes, looking through anything that's publicly made available and say, geez, you know, we still have several nights that are freezing up through 15 or 20 April or whatever it might be. I better get these queens later. And I didn't do that and I paid the price for it. So this is definitely not a date type of thing. Wait until those overnight temperatures are at least in, if you're dealing in Fahrenheit, right, at least in the 40s. If you're dealing in Celsius, that's a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I actually had done, I had gotten to a point where I was paying attention to the Celsius and I could do it pretty quickly in my head and I, I've kind of messed that up. I'm not, not on top of the game anymore. But on the Fahrenheit side, if your nights are down in like the 40s and 50s, you should be fine. It's those 30s that can really kind of mess things up. Okay, so I'm looking through and I don't see anything else in the Discord that we need to address as far as immediate questions or anything that anybody is asking about. There's some good discussion in here, but I'm just trying to see. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. I've got some other notes on uh, swarm traps and things I'm going to bring up. We're going to do the next episode of swarm traps, try to get that out ASAP. And then after that one, the next episode following that is going to be a um, catching swarms, like swarm catching, you know, tips and tricks and stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Feel free to reach out anytime. Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com or more on the bees at protonmail.com. Join us in the Discord room. It's beekeepingfornewbies.com. There's a link about halfway down the page there. And you can come join us with an hour. I'm looking at about 41 or so, 42 members right now. So we'd love to have you in there and get ready to move on to the next episode so we can hopefully get another one out here this weekend. Take care, everybody. Stay out of trouble. Be kind to one another, and we will talk to you soon. So long.